are live. The broadcast is live. Welcome, everyone. Dinger's podcast, proud to present 2021 May 2nd Fab Report. So we're going to cover today your fab, waivers, whatever you want to call it in your league. Uh, we're going to cover four ownership percentages across Yahoo, CBS, NFPC, and Fantrax, finding some players for you. Now that all the fun, exciting names have churned and burned, uh, let's get you up the standings in your leagues or keep you on top if you already are. Ty, hello. What's happening? I'm so jacked up for baseball season to be up and running here. It's We're a full month in basically now, and injuries are happening everywhere. So I think, you know, in recent memory, this is one of the years that I think these pickups are more important than maybe they've ever been. We've talked about a little bit in the podcast talking about sometimes maybe that attention should also be targeted towards uh, trades as well. So, you know, all part of the the work we do to help people win fantasy baseball weeks and seasons. Absolutely. So we can kick right into it this week. We're going to go through hitters first, then we're going to check on pitching. And you will see or hear some names that you think, well, in my league, that guy is owned or, you know, that's an obvious pickup or something like that. Good. That's good. There are leagues where they are highly available or formats that they may be highly available. Um, first guy we're going to talk about is Alejandro Kirk, who Ty just told me three minutes ago is now on the 10 day IL. We saw yesterday he came out of the game early, uh, but prior to that, his 225 average with an 801 OPS is a massive improvement over what he was spitting out the first two weeks of the season, two and a half weeks of the season. Um, in Yahoo, he's owned in 10% ESPN4, CBS only 25, uh, fan tracks where we get into more dynasty, 52%. And of course, in NFBC, he's owned everywhere, two catcher format. Uh, but Kirk might be a guy in your leagues with trades, your keepers, your dynasties. This might be the time that you can actually acquire him. His year has not gone great the last two weeks, so it looks like he's turned the corner, have, and he's hurt now. So if you have a healthy catcher and you think you can find somebody later on to pick up, which I've got a name to throw at us later, Ty, um, this might be the time to make a move and get yourself some Alejandro Kirk. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I mean, I've been in on Alejandro Kirk since we watched him hit last season. I mean, this is a guy that his primary skill is a catcher, which we talk about all the time. Defense first is almost always the catcher mentality, but this is an offense first guy, and there's only a handful of those in the league. He was just turning the corner. The timing of this injury is awful for Kirk and the Blue Jays. Um, oh, especially considering all... the Jays turned to um turn turn back to Danny Jansen now and that you know decimal zero five four average of his like cool. don't rule him out though. New prescription in the glasses coming for Danny Jansen. Oh my so gosh. you never know. This, and for those of you that don't understand what, what I mean by that, like Danny Jansen had a prescription change in the minors, which is what unlocked the production that got ability, everybody yeah. so hyped about him coming up. So he's re-updating that. I really hope it. He is he just set the record for consistent over last night. Uh, Did he really? Franchise record. He passed. Oh, franchise. Oh, okay. Yeah, he passed Ed Sprague's franchise record for straight at bats with no hits. Um, Sprague's so happy about that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> he's just, and Sprague's just sitting somewhere with the biggest chaw in his cheek. Yeah. Right? Thank God. <laughs> Thank yeah, God. Exactly. Sprague was notorious <laughs> for just the biggest piece of chew ever. So, uh, yeah, Kirk is a guy you're going to want to own, though. And I think, you know, this is an opportunity to buy. We talk about this all the time buy, hold, sell. 
this is this is a buy opportunity on Kirk on a guy that a lot of people would have been already a little queasy on based on the slow start. I think now's the time to go buy him. So whether he's available in your fab or on your wa- waiver wire, he's a guy you want to target. So definitely I'm still in. It didn't seem like it was a severe injury. I think this is definitely just a cautionary tale. Yeah, let's hope. So if we, if we are replacing him, if you are um, in NFBC, which I think I checked this morning and the player I'm about to mention, Ty, is under 40% there. On Yahoo, he's 14%. Um, he is a, a backup in the sense that he's not supposed to get as many um, at-bats as he is or as he's earning, however you want to say it. But it's Kyle Higashawa or Higashawa, sorry for the... Higashioka. Yeah, I was so close. I knew it started with an S. I knew it started with an S. <laughs> anyway, my apologies on the pronunciation. However, H-I-G-A-S-H-I-O-K-A, the backup for the Yankees. Um, who has a 258, 771 OPS for the season, uh, or sorry, that was 2020, 258, 1,088 OPS for the season, four dingers, six runs, six ribbies, uh, six walks to eight Ks, which I love. That's my big thing. And with catchers, when you're getting into um, the counting stats, which we've talked about on the podcast before, with catchers, sometimes the safest thing to do is say, well, what can I get? for runs for the year? What can I get for RBIs? What can I get for dingers? What's the safe number? And then you just go off that and you punt the average. Well, this is a guy who you don't necessarily need to punt average. And if you're in a points league and K's count as half a point or a point against, he's not going to be hurting you there. Um, assuming walks have some value to them. So that's a guy that I'm going to throw in as a potential Kirk replacement and an NFBC. Cause that ownership is low. This is the time because like Gary Sanchez sucks, Ty. He sucks. <laughs> well, and, and I'm going to throw one more at you. And yeah, he doesn't yeah. have a lot of clout right now. Um, and he's going to likely be the roster replacement for Kirk if he hasn't already been named. And that's uh, Riley Adams. Uh, yeah. Hopefully right, he gets the we call. Saw, we saw a ton of success late in spring for Riley Adams. A uh, couple bombs, big time power, like Gary Sanchez-esque type power out of the catcher position. Hit tool question marks, but the thing that you could benefit from if you have room, he's probably going to cost you a dollar in almost every format. So I think he's the kind of guy you could acquire in the hopes that Danny Jansen is the one that is removed later. Like that could be a strategy you might want to think about. Like if you're, because you don't want to hold on to Danny Jansen, right? Like that's a reality, but it might be a good play. If you're down on your luck at the catcher position or you're in the NFBC format where you have to play two catchers, Right. So that's that's a guy you might want to game out a little bit. That's going to be in all likelihood the roster replacement. And we've talked before about trying to limit damage from positions. And Riley Adams could be somebody assuming he does get the call, assuming it's not um, Reese McGuire coming back up. If it is Adams, which would kind of suit the Jays, knowing that last year they sorry, from last year to this year, they've made the choice to have a bit more offense at the catching position than necessarily catching stability. And, that could and be a Riley good Adams was called up in the uh, associated roster move. So K oh, okay. Adams in Stripling was activated. So there yeah, we go. Adams it's is a coming guy, together, so. people. Yep. So make so that move, and then maybe we'll see Adams twice this week. Three times would be yep. good, I think. But at the same time, um, we'll see him come in late in games. We'll see him getting at bats to replace. Uh, when we're into the RPs, when you know, when you can take Danny Jansen out, and I'm sure, like you said, Ty, he, he was in spring training for a long time and did well. He has some familiarity with the pitching staff. 
it's not like Absolutely. the Jays have eight new guys, you know, on that staff that they didn't start the year with. Well, and they're heading all the way to the West Coast, right? So the odds of a catcher catching back-to-back games Monday, Tuesday in Oakland are are unlikely. So I, I would expect that you see Riley Adams either tomorrow or Tuesday in the game. So should get to see him with some action quickly. There it is, people. That's the mind. That's the mind frame you want to have to get those, especially when it's catcher. You don't need him to be an everyday player, but you need him to get at bats. You need him to not hurt you. So moving on to somebody else who's getting at bats now, it's exciting to see, is Matt Beattie with the Dodgers. So depending on your format, um, first base, third base, possibly outfield eligible guy. I believe he's first base in NFBC, first third in outfield, obviously in Yahoo, first base only in CBS. So check your formats before because you might be okay at first but this is a guy zero percent ownership everywhere but fan tracks and why would he have four percent there ty dynasty 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 fan tracks does have in our opinion the biggest player name database to draw from and if you have either unlimited miners or something bd is the type of guy who can be there so over his last 11 at bats uh 445 at, or sorry, 455 average, 1100 OPS. That's beautiful. It's just a good start, right? That's all you need out of out of a guy that's coming in. And we know the Dodgers players can just like magically be helpful. Um, two runs, four ribbies without a home run, no stolen bases, four walks, no Ks. I like it. As a plug and play, I don't know. But as a guy who I could in a daily pick up and move around, sure, because he's there. He's like a $0 or $1 bid. Um, that's a guy with some versatility too, depending on your format. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to buy on beating myself. And the only reason is just because of the depth the Dodgers have. Like, he's the obvious roster guy to get moved off as, you know, DJ right. Peters when, we've yeah, seen already. Right? Like, Michael Bush we might see some point this season. And and I think given that Corey Seager's not signed to a contract yet, I think we are going to see Michael Bush at some point this season just to keep options open um, if Seager, in fact, wants to be moved out of L.A. So, think they're gonna have to put some guys into play just as a safety net that's interesting okay well let's go to somebody who has an interesting story this this would be a good book i think or maybe um if people don't read anymore this would be a a good uh video whatever to go audiobook sure there you go that's perfect a good podcast maybe um but just as long as you're listening to dingers as well is pablo sandoval uh, third base right now with Atlanta, 1% owned everywhere with the exception of NFBC where he is not owned and 3% owned in Fantrax leagues, 348 average, 1200 OPS, six runs, eight RBIs, no stolen bases. That doesn't surprise us. Um, three dingers though, and eight strikeouts to five walks. He's, he's doing well. Like this is what he does it was as if boston was like the worst thing that could have ever happened to him like that contract the money whatever and now he's in this position where he's just he's he's not kicking around the league because he's he's playing well when he's getting the opportunity um but he's just able to help out good teams and he's on a good team now in atlanta so if you are shocked at third base with something your corner infields you know really weak this is this is possibly your next move that will cost you very little and help you to bridge the gap in injuries. Or, um, you know, Alec Baum may be waking up, but if he's not and you have a bench spot, maybe Sandoval goes in next week, Baum sits. I don't know. Baum had a two-dinger night, so maybe well, he's turned the corner. Do you have any concerns over the at-bats here, Rob, with Sandoval? I mean, Austin Riley has pretty much entrenched himself at third base here, so you're really you're getting spelled it's, off between Riley and Freeman 
in you know in reality here yeah it's it's a matter of is 15 at bats the ceiling in like next week for him so it's a schedule watch and i, I will check now but i haven't actually looked at atlanta's schedule if they face any al next week i, I don't know that they necessarily do um but it's it's again it's the kind of guy that could be coming in not as a defensive replacement but as a pitch pinch hitter who could then be part of like the NL moving guys around like Riley might he's somebody we're going to mention shortly. Riley might be moving, you know, to the outfield so that Sandoval can hang out at third base from the seventh, eighth and inning. I don't know. But when you get into that kind of mood where you want offense, he's the kind of guy that can clearly provide it. So that might just be one. Maybe it's for more for deeper leagues, right? Maybe yeah. that's, that's the scenario here. Definitely. They have Washington and Philly next week. So you're not going to see the DH at bats that he's, he's had over the weekend here. Uh, against Toronto, but but I, I hear you. It's definitely depth and injury for sure can always happen. It's never bad to store these guys, as you mentioned. The NL always going to get pinch hit at bats, so at the very least, you're going to see some, you know, one for ones, over twos, one for two kind of scenarios out of Sandoval moving forward. Yeah, if you're on, if you have that rebuilding team and you're like, I don't even know what to do, this is where you go and put him in because even if he's not starting, if it's daily or you know you can change your lineup after Thursday's games, whatever the scenario is. You can just kind of like read the room. You know, is he going to start? Okay, well, I'll put him in. Is he not going to start? But whoever I have, that's my starting third baseman, corner infield, whatever the scenario is, is not starting. Well, maybe I'll just try Sandoval off the bench instead of this other guy off the bench because it's very likely Sandoval will come in and get one at bat versus a guy who's actually on a rest day. So depending on who your third baseman is that's not in that day, if Sandoval's not in the lineup and this other regular starter is not in the lineup, Odds are better Sandoval's going to get in at bat because that's more the role Atlanta's going to play with them. And then, like Ty said, it might be one at bat, might be two at bats, but that could be the difference at the end of the week, right? If you win a category by one, you win the category. If you are down and a guy like Sandoval comes in and gets a run or an RBI, that could be the difference for you. And that's just playing smart, just knowing not to put somebody in that isn't likely to help you win and somebody else could. And if you're playing from behind, Sandoval's a good guy to take a chance on too. Absolutely. Which gets us to the next guy. Oh, Benny Biceps. Andrew Benintendi back with, well, I shouldn't say back with, with KC now. Um, Forgotten-ish. Definitely disappointed a lot of people over the 19 season, the 20 injury-riddled season where Red Sox didn't even bother to rush him back. And then the deal this offseason and a slow start. But right now, his ownership percentage on Yahoo is 46, on CBS 47. NFBC is 100%. And NFBC is a little... Um, crooked because of their different formats and the fact that you can draft a ton of guys in some of the, you know, 50 man rosters and you don't, you don't have minor leagues. Um, so you draft a lot more MLB and that's not a, that's not a shot. That's just, that's why the ownership is that high fan tracks. It's 83%. So that shows anything that's going to be 12, 10 team leagues. You've got a 50, 50 chance that Benny could be sitting out there. And if you've been paying attention, you'll notice he had a good weekend and he now is, is um, line up to, 262 average, 757 OPS, 15 runs, which is neat, 10 RBIs, which is interesting. I think that's more where he where he's hitting in the lineup related to that. Um, four stolen bases, which is great. Three dingers uh, for Benny and a two to one strikeout to walk ratio, which is absolutely fine. Uh, like so far, we we've been mentioning guys whose strikeout to walk is all pretty good. Yeah, two to one is. I'm probably standard in MLB. I don't know for sure, but um, I'm liking Benintendi on the rise tie. I don't know how, you know, this is obviously a good bump up for him, but what are you thinking on Benintendi if you see him on your wire? 
I've always been a Ben Attendee guy. If he's if he's on the wire right now and you don't have three starting outfielders that are legit, like I can't move guys, then Ben Attendee is probably your best replacement on the wire. Uh, not guaranteed depending on your format, but you know, I, I think his value has dipped so far that people are just forgetting how good at baseball this guy once was. And mm-hmm. so I, I think I think he's a great opportunity. We've seen Kansas City revive a couple guys already. Uh, I think this is one of their next reclamation projects. Now, listen, he's never going to hit 40 bombs. You're looking for the 310 average. You're looking for the runs, handful of stolen bases, some RBIs. He's hitting in the five hole. This is a Kansas City special, right, where they put a guy with contact skills in an RBI spot instead of the huge high OPS guys. Uh, this is what Kansas City has done successfully for the better part of 10 years now. And so definitely take note when when they put these guys into these spots. He's got Hunter Dozier, who will wake up eventually once he stops drowning in all that new money he got. Uh, you know, <laughs> the curse. He'll, yeah, right. He'll come around eventually here. And, and that protection will only help Benintendi, who uh, is already up on, on you know a projectable pathway right now. Yeah, and I mean, a big boost with with a single game because we're still that early in the season that that can happen, right? Everybody is climbing up to and just getting at the 100 at-bat plateau right now. And then we're going to see everybody next week should be the the normal starters who haven't had lost time should all be exceeding that. And and Benny is in and amongst that crowd. And knowing that the 262 average is there and the power's, you know, the power's okay. But I love the stolen bases too, Ty. I mean, four stolen bases from a guy who is being crapped all over and in dynasty format specifically, which is the focus of the podcast for people who are not familiar with what we're doing on dingers is dynasty, dynasty, dynasty keeper is a focus of ours as well, obviously because you are keeping players and then redraft is something we discussed because that's a major part of fantasy. We play redraft as well, but the focus for us is dynasty and Ben and was an absolute acquire all off season. The guy's 26. Right. This isn't some 32 year old who we're like, oh, I don't know if he's lost it or not. You know, this guy has career ahead of him more so than career behind him. Uh, And I like the idea, even now, even with this little uptick, depending on the way he's owned in your league, you know, if it's a contracts league and he's expensive or if it's just a keep forever dynasty. I like the idea of approaching the owner and saying, hey, just curious on Benny, because you might have the April stud of Akil Badu kicking around that might be attractive to somebody else. And maybe some of the other guys who were mentioned earlier before we started recording. And those are the guys that you can deal and get yourself a Benny, get yourself a dynasty player, right? Ben, Ben Attendee's a dynasty player. He's not Akil Badu come up out of nowhere. Mercedes come up out of nowhere. Doesn't mean those guys can't stick around. The difference is, can they do what Ben Attendee can do, which right now is five categories. Yeah. And I, I completely agree. I think people are sleeping, which, Brings us to the next guy who you know I love to talk Just, about. And I'm gonna leave. People, people are sleeping. <laughs> yeah, people are sleeping on him again. Uh, it's Tyler O'Neill. It's been a rough ride. Like let's let's call a spade a spade here. I mean, this is a guy that has had light tower power, plays good defense, and really has just had a a, in a significant strikeout ratio. That is worth noting. That picking up a guy like Tyler O'Neill will come with strikeouts. So if you're in a strikeout uh negative format be aware of that because it is it is going to be expensive in that method so in points he can hurt you a little bit but in points he can also help you because he's going to score a ton of runs he's going to hit some home runs and he's going to cash in some ribbies hitting in the five hole in st louis um you know st louis has showed faith in him 
they sent him to the DL uh, just for about 10 days. He bounced back. He's in the six hole today. Uh, so I, I think, you know, that average has crept up to 254. We've seen a handful of home runs already so far to him. And we're going to see a bunch more, right? Like he's he's been out for parts of the season. And he's at five home runs. He's near the top of the league already. Uh, 11 runs, 10 RBIs, 22 to 1 K to walk ratio. Definitely concerning, right? Yeah. Definitely concerning. But it's been much better over the last week since he's been back. Uh, he's a pretty smart player. The strikeouts are not going to go away. But 22 to 1 is not going to be the expectation you should have for Tyler O'Neill moving forward. Which should mean that there's a bit of um, improvement on the mend as far as walking go, or taking walks uh, yeah. goes. But, you know, when he's owned 22% Yahoo, and that's up 18% tie from a week ago, 33 in CBS, 81 in NFBC, and 50% in Fantrax. If you look at Fantrax, I think as we do, I don't, I don't know, tell me if I'm wrong, as kind of the, the home of dynasty play, that's where we think the most dynasty players are playing because the site is very friendly for dynasty players. CBS to me would be second for that. And then Yahoo, which is probably the original home. And then people at, at different times might leave Yahoo to go to one of the fan tracks or CBSs. but the manager fees on CBS are, you know, one and a half that of fan tracks. So I think it's 150 to fan tracks is hundred. Um, so it, it can be that cost prohibitive to be on CBS as well. But, um, Fantrax tells me that there are a lot of dynasty owners who don't even bother with Tyler O'Neill, depending on the size of your league. So if it's a three outfielder league, he's probably on your wire. If it's a five outfielder, he might be sitting on someone's bench. And I could definitely go and approach that guy knowing that across all the rest of the leagues, he's not heavily owned and think, okay, so he's off to this hot start. And you can obviously through trade talks say, well, I'm a little concerned about this strikeout to walk ratio here. Like, this is a this is an issue he's just you know obviously hitting for the fences not not to get the ball in play and see what the other owner is up to and see what their what their team looks like if it's not a waiver situation this could absolutely be a guy that can win you a week like the power is there to win you a week and the stolen base is that too what a bonus like total bonus to see that and we talked about it heading into the season as i continue to die on this hill uh you know the big thing for me with tyler neal like if you get 270 as an average out of Tyler O'Neill, you're going to see 30 bombs, right? That's just a foregone conclusion with the power this guy has. So that's what we're looking for. Like that's in my mind, anything North of two sixties at two fifty four, anything North of two sixty is a must own guy in Tyler O'Neill. Two seventy is great success as Borat would say. Uh, <laughs> and so I think that's, that's an obvious direction that I'm always looking as you know, Rob, I own them pretty much everywhere. Yeah. Uh, I've been waiting for this, you know, Randall Gritchick is a guy that I waited on. Carlos Rodon's a guy I waited on. Tyler O'Neill's the next one I'm waiting on. So uh, let's let's just leave it there. I think we've we've preached yeah. enough. Yeah, I mean, we've recorded two podcasts as well this week, Ty, where we've discussed him, and neither of the podcasts have been able to air for um, technical issues. So this is now the, yeah, this is now the third conversation we've had about him. So <laughs> for us, we're just continuing to repeat ourselves. However. To the people who are checking this out for the first time, thank you. And also, that's some good information for them. So here's a deep dive, Ty. And the reason that this name is on here is because I picked him up this morning to put him in. Brett Phillips with Tampa Bay. Uh, 0% owned on Yahoo, 1% on CBS, 0 NFBC, Fantrax, 4%. Uh, 
his average is 429 with a 1600 OPS, 357 average with an 1169 OPS over the last 14 at bats. Okay, but here's the thing: so limited at bats, right? It's the success that he's also bringing to the table. Five runs, three RBIs, three stolen bases, and he's even added in a dinger. Strikeout to walk ratio is 14 to eight, so it's less than two to one, which is great. All good things. But he's also a center field eligible player. And if you are in dynasty play right now or a 20 team league, which I am in, Brett Phillips is, was on my waiver this waiver wire this morning. I picked him up. I put him in because I had DJ Peters as well. DJ Peters, I like the power for him, but I also want to not be in last place and own a bunch of prospects. So I made that move on my roster where I cut DJ Peters and I put in Brett Phillips. And I'm not pumped about it but it's a move you make when you want to just get incrementally better. I do have Victor Reyes shares in that same league and Victor Reyes, just the bottom is blown out on him right now. So he's three outfield position eligible and he's sitting on my bench and there's no way I'm putting him in until he has turned it around. So Brett Phillips is a guy I'll pick up and stream right now. You know, I picked up Matt Beatty in that same league just for a bench piece. You know, I've got Jared Walsh who was somebody we talked a lot about last year when he came up, like, look at him, look at him, look at him. And now we're seeing really great results with him. Um, in LA. And I think Phillips might just be one of those like 10 day, 14 day guys that can just, just help you out a little bit right now. And again, cost to acquire nothing, absolutely nothing. And it's shocking to, I have four shares of them across all my leagues, which is like shameful. Why do I own Brett Phillips in four spots? I only picked him up today in one. I owned him in three before. <laughs> well, and I think something to, to note is that he definitely has some splits skewing to the righties um and and definitely you're gonna want against the lefties right so yeah as you're saying like definitely um you know a guy you're gonna want to have as a platoon type guy i don't know that i'm rolling him out there daily at this point but definitely a, a guy to know and and getting more and more at bats and that's the big thing that we're paying attention to yeah, success early, and like you said, Ty, if it's a platoon situation, that leans more to daily, but you could also have one of those leagues where um, you can change your lineup after play Thursday, so you can set it Monday to Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, look at the matchups, right? Like If you want to win, you have to look and see who are the projected starters, which is one of the fun, uh, frustrating parts about the teams who don't list who's starting. But it's also one of those things that you got to do if you want to get the edge, and that's what we're here to do is find those ways for you to get the edge. Now, here's someone, Ty who we talked a lot about since the podcast started and um, we've waited on and we've seen struggles and we haven't, we've already talked about him twice this week, as we said about somebody else, Tyler O'Neill earlier, um, his ownership has grown greatly since our first conversation in several formats. Uh, he's owned 60% in Yahoo, which is up 20%, 60% in CBS, 88 in Fantrax, hundred percent in NFPC. And it's because his line looks good. And the player is Austin Riley. First, third, and outfield eligible, depending on your format. So I think it's first, third, outfield in some fan tracks leagues as well. I think I think that um, I've got him in our TDL league, the Dynasty League, as which is a 30-team league. I think he's got all three there, which definitely means he's in Yahoo. So depending on your format, um, this is a guy on the rise, Ty. So I don't know if you want to take it away on the stat line and all the good stuff for him. Yeah, I mean, the stat line has been, been good so far this year. 296, 840 OPS. Runs are there at 15. No stolen bases. Wouldn't expect too many there. Seven RBIs, three bombs, 25 uh, strikeouts for 11 walks. You know, lots to like here. This is a guy that we talked about in the offseason. You know, he was much, much better 
than the stat line showed in the playoffs for Atlanta. He hit some baseballs very, very hard directly at people. And he still hit some balls very, very hard into the uh, other part of the stadium, not known as the playing field. So, you know, there's definitely some things to like about Austin Riley. And, you know, it's it's coming slower than I think people wanted. Definitely slower than a lot of fantasy owners wanted. But it's coming. And, and the power is very real. Um, the defense is getting better. I don't know if you watched the Jays game last night or not, but he got a hand no, I missed the last on one. a backhand down the line. Popped it up in the air, tried to catch it with his bare hand, dropped it again, then caught it again, then threw it to Alejandro Kirk, who was still had time. Down the first. And that's yeah, how Kirk got hurt. Right yeah. that. Was the... Well, that that was the last play. Yeah. Okay. He, he exited the game after that. Uh, but if only he knew. <laughs> he could have taken yeah, his time. <laughs> I think he was hurt before that. I don't think he aggravated it on that run uh, by the sounds. I missed the first part of the game. It sounded like there was something more obvious earlier in the okay. game. But anyway, uh, Austin Riley is a guy to own. And especially if you're, you're looking at long-term third base. Now you mentioned the position eligibility. If you are in longer term formats and you are somehow trying to acquire Riley for the long haul, he's a third baseman. He's going to be a third baseman. The depth in Atlanta says he's going to be a third baseman. So, you know, there, there's no reason to find him in any format or pick up maneuver that you're going to have him as another position. That's the only thing I wanted to note there. Yeah, and the one thing I will say on that part is that you can cross your fingers that he moves to the outfield for, you know, late innings, you know, whatever they want to do, right? They, they could move him around a little tiny bit simply for the sake of needing to win those individual games. But as Ty said, his position, his core position is third base, and that's what it's going to be moving forward. And it's it's just so nice to see that, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a 10 at bat or 20 at bat little stretch where he tore it up. He's just been getting better. And that's, that's what I like to see, especially for dynasty. Like Austin Riley was a top 100 guy. He came up in 18. Was it? Jeez. It's hard to remember. 18, 19, whenever it was, he came up, it was not successful. And then 20. So maybe it was 19. And then in 2020, uh, it was not good. And like you said, Ty, he was hit. He was doing the things that don't count in fantasy as signs of success but those are those off-season things where when you do the deep dives you can actually have a look and think well there's something to be said for him here it just might take longer and when we get into advanced stats we try to keep it off the podcast try to keep it off the live stream because we're talking about things that win which are the categories in your fantasy leagues and yes there's you know the swinging strike rate there's uh, all sorts of fun things hard hit rates that we can discuss if we think it's key for your pickup but otherwise, we want to tell you what the player is doing and tell you what you might be able to expect. So um, for some people who are thinking, like, there are advanced stats. Yes, there are. And we do go through them, but we try to keep it off this part. Um, hit us up at Dingers Pod or myself at Robbie Baseball One or Ty at Tourney Boss to discuss anything like that where you think there's an underlying factor that's worth attribute, uh, attributing some future success to. Uh, see Austin Nola. Um, and if, you, if you're new, that's my boy. So that was somebody who I was highly touting because there was something he couldn't do, which was hit a fastball. And I thought, well, if he can unlock this, there we go. So anyway, final guy on the, on the hitting side is Josh Rojas with Arizona second base shorts up outfield eligible, pretend, you know, depends again, where, where you are 13% in Yahoo, which has doubled over the last week, 18% CBS NFBC 46. So that's a key guy there for NFBC owners, 56% in fan tracks. And over the last two weeks, 394 average 1262 OPS on the season, 12 runs, nine ribbies, one stolen basin, four dingers, and just over two to one strikeout to walk ratio, 19 strikeouts, nine walks. Uh, cool. 
like what little bonus, you know, a little bonus in the, the middle infield with some outfield help here. So depending on your format, Rojas could just be a, like a Darren Fletcher. Um, wait, Darren Fletcher, David Fletcher of 2021. Who's Darren Fletcher? Is he a sports catcher. broadcaster? Used to be catcher for the Jays. For the Jays long time. Yeah, yeah, he was like yeah. a backup to. Okay, I knew. Yeah. Exposed. Then he, I, I knew it was a person. Pro- I think he did get into broadcasting briefly, though. So I think he did get that one right. There, and then Sportsnet probably let him go, like they do everybody else. I think he was a TSM guy. I think he was oh. when TSM was still covering baseball. I think that okay. was. Yep. Yeah. So that was Rojas for me. Like anyone that out there that has watched the show Ted Lasso, the the name Rojas for me is now dead because every time I hear it, it's just. There's a guy named Danny Rojas, and he just runs around on the field yelling "Danny, Danny Rojas" kind of thing. And he's like, "Football is life, right?" So now, now every time I see Rojas, I'm like, "Baseball's life," you know. So hopefully that catches on, uh, and and as Josh <laughs> Rojas continues to grow, um, then then maybe that'll be a thing. But these are the guys traditionally for me. I stay away from the guys that come out of nowhere, the utility guys. You know, and, and mainly because I skew towards the dynasty format, Rob, like as you do a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, so in redraft, it's a very different prospect, right? So this is the kind of guy you want to ride for maybe six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks. If he goes longer than that, fantastic, right? And that's the mentality when you dive into a Josh Rojas should be an injury replacement, should be somebody that you're expecting not to succeed long-term. However, there's always that chance to have the breakout guy to find you know, what, what most people think was an out of nowhere, Randy Ayers Arena, as we know, was was a predictable uh, jump last year. Uh, you could find those guys, right? But odds are, especially infield, middle infield guys, those guys traditionally don't come out of nowhere. Right. Yeah. And and this might be one of those, like you just said, Ty, who, who's helping right now. And that's the boost that your team needs. You know, we see uh, second baseman going down. We've got people who are, I think it seems to skew towards more pitchers, but guys who are getting a couple days off to go on the COVID list. Um, Didi just did that, you know, a couple days on the COVID after getting that shot just so they can properly recover. And that's, that's where a guy like this might just be able to stick on your roster for longer than you would like. But if the success rate is there, keep them, you know, a couple years ago, Josh Van Meter um, came out of nowhere and was doing good things for a little while. And I was touting him saying, Hey, this might be someone, this might be someone. Well, it turns out he's now in Arizona and it's, bits and bobs of success, but that's partially Cincinnati's fault for having a million players at all times that can play the outfield. And it's also on, you know, Van Meter just not being as good as we would like him to be. So anyway, Rojas is a final guy there. Now we can move into the pitching side, Ty. We've got um, starting off a special treat to start pitchers for next week to consider. Um, I believe that on this list, the last guy who we'll discuss it's it's still up in the air, but everybody else looks like they're locked in. So we've got four locked in and one that maybe. And if it's not him uh, this week, it'll be next week. But it's still a good pickup regardless. So the first guy here is Minnesota's 38 year old J. A. Happ, 22 percent owned in Yahoo, 98 in NFBC, 63 in Fantrax, and only 50 percent owned in CBS. So that's why we're discussing him here. There are some leagues and some formats in which he's available. And we've talked about him on the podcast. And Ty, you had said this is somebody early in the season I would look to roll with and see what happens beyond then. So, so far this year, he has a 196 ERA, a 2-0 record. And next week lines up against Texas and Detroit. That's that's good. That's favorable. Yes. What are your thoughts on on uh, Hap for two more? Uh, you know what? I think the signing in, in Minnesota is perfect for him. 
like a guy that traditionally just gets beat up on the home runs a little bit. And, you know, you have a pretty good outfield defense in Minnesota. Like this was just a, a smart landing spot. We talked about it in the off season as to why we liked him going into the season, how long that lasts. Like he's still, what is he? 38, 39, 38 like he's up there. Um, and so, you know, you just never know, but you know, he's been a workhorse. He's avoided injury for the most part throughout his career. Uh, and so, People that bought into him early are happy. Did that on purpose. And I think that's somebody <laughs> <laughs> that we can definitely continue to look to, at least for the couple weeks. And, I mean, the matchups this week, you know, Texas and Detroit, you you got to love that. I mean, and that's Detroit's why he's the first guy too, Ty. Absolutely. And Detroit's coming back down to earth. As long as you don't get beat up by Nick Solak, you can really dance around Texas as well. And it looks like um, Willie Calhoun's moving up a bit in the lineup, I believe. Um, so it might just be the one-two punch that you really need to worry about. Gallo's moved back a bit. So there's there's a way that a guy like Hap can have a good start uh, against Texas. I think it I think it's in Texas. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. Excuse me. I yeah, didn't get into that detail. Regardless, he's a good guy to own right now, especially in your deeper formats. Uh, he's going to be picked up in your deeper formats for obvious reason. But, you know, in, in the shallow formats, he's probably available. Right. And so that's the thing that you really need to pay attention to is that if he's he's not available, somebody might also be looking to sell high. So make sure you you pay attention to what's available. Yeah. And in 23 innings this year, Hap has only 13 K's. He's always been a higher K guy. So that's a little um, question mark as to what's going on. And here's the other part of that is the whip is at decimal 826. And this is a guy who has a made a career of nibbling around the strike zone. So after this week, I have a lot of concerns, but we're going to let this week play out and I'm going to roll the dice on two starts here for Mr. Hap. And moving on to the next one here, Cole Irvin or Irvine, Irvin, I'm going to go with, with Oakland, uh, 11% owned on Yahoo, 30% CBS, 20% NFBC, 34 on fan tracks. He's got a 367 ERA, two and three record, 25 Ks and 27 innings and a 1.296 whip. He is facing the powerhouse Blue Jay lineup, uh, complete with George Springer, but now missing Alejandro Kirk. And then he follows that up with Tampa Bay. So it's not the best matchup scenario here, but the guy's been good, and that's why he's on the list here. So have you had much into Cole Irvin? Have you looked, you know, really into him? It's early this year for him. You know, this is, uh, I believe, what, the third year? Yeah, 19 he broke in, and then 20 just came in for a little cup of coffee. So this is overachieving right now for Irvine. I don't know that it is. I mean, I, I think oh, really? the early I think the early starts absolutely were, right? I think he kind of started the year, blew some doors off some people because they hadn't seen him. I, I think this 415, 420 ERA is kind of where he's gonna live. Like he's he's you know still at 367, but he's tracking that direction over the last couple starts. Like SP4, SP5, like I think that's his his space. The thing, the thing that I still have concerns for him on is uh, Puck is coming. He's still got Grant Holmes, who's who's not far away either. That could be a replacement. So he does have some competition to stay in this rotation spot. And I think, you know, there's two things that can happen. Either he continues to overperform like he has in several starts so far, or he's going to be – he was the sacrificial lamb of contract negotiations Um versus uh grant holmes who hasn't really had his clock kicked into gear fully yet so you know okay. there, there's other guys in in oakland that might be a bigger issue than i think cole irvin's production will be in my opinion 
Okay, well, another guy uh, who has two-star week next week because he's on the COVID list this week, he was my guy last week for this exact same thing, and that's Wayno, Adam Wainwright with St. Louis, uh, 32% owned in Yahoo, 82 CBS, 95 NFBC, and 72 in Fantrax. That's high. I, I get it. But Wainwright was not this highly owned a week ago when he was supposed to be the two-star pitcher for this week. So that's why the ownership is up higher, and it doesn't mean in your trade leagues – that you can't swoop in now and see what you can't get for yourself because he's lining up against the Mets who are hot and cold and Colorado. And I don't think it's in Colorado. I, I, I can't imagine I would have intentionally set him up in Colorado. If I did, we'll see. I believe when I looked, um, it was Colorado going to St. Louis. But um, anyway, so we've got a 408 ERA, 0-3 record, which is, you know, bad luck, right? But then you get into the you know stats that are going to count here, 32 Ks and 28 and two-thirds innings and a 1.25 whip. I like it. Wayno's just kicking around, and he's a good pickup to have if he's available. And if your team is decimated by injuries, he might just be the kind of guy you can get for very little because every year is going to be his last year. Um, he might be somebody to target. Yeah, I mean, I've got a lot of love for Wayno. He was part of the three-headed monster on my home league team for a long time of – King Felix, Kershaw, and Wayno when they were all really dominant. Um, so the thing for me is I'm out only for the sole purposes that I've been out, and I would rather him prove me wrong than be on the wrong side of of this one. So that's more of a personal thing than a production thing. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think there's lots in the tank here. You're definitely going to get some wins here. So if you weren't a part of the 0-3 experience, this is a great trade target because somebody looking yeah. at this and going, he's a 4.08 with an 0 and 3 on a good baseball team. I, I'm listening. They, they've got a lot of games against that division still left this season. Cincinnati's not going to overproduce the way they have to this point all year. Same with the Cubs. Um, the Pirates suck. And Milwaukee's somehow <laughs> good. Um, we're not really sure how based on, on everything going on over there, but but they're they're surviving. So the the reality is regression of the mean should happen. Wayno should end up in that three five area where he probably belongs. The win totals will will start to jump. So now is that window to either fab him or or grab him off somebody else's roster. Yeah, and that is the guy with the highest percentage ownership that we're discussing this week, and you know, kind of a special circumstance, age related as well as the stat line. So as Ty said. All good points that you could maybe go out to try to acquire. My wife just sent me a message, Ty, with a photo of my son in his Jeep, and one of the wheels has fallen off. And Uh-oh. she said, we need a big worker man to come help. So this is the the Jeep that I have souped up and have. Do you need my assistance? Yes. Do you, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I repeat, do you need my assistance? Um, this is the Jeep that I've souped up, and it's now running on 18-volt Milwaukee batteries. So that sucker flies. And that's the second time that he spun the wheel off. So um, I just replaced the motor on it because he burnt the last one out. And uh, I'm going to have to get this extra little locking nut to really seal that thing on because that uh, the tire wants to quit, but uh, the mm-hmm. kid won't. Anyway, next up here, Aaron Sanchez, speaking of a guy that won't quit, took all of 2020 off. I don't think that was necessarily as health related as it was. Maybe nobody was willing to take a chance on him, but um, he's back with San Fran and his ownership has not yet caught up with his production. 15% owned in Yahoo, 21 CBS, 73 NFBC, 41 in Fantrax. And he's got a nice little ERA of 222, 1-1 record, 20 Ks to 24 innings pitched. And I'm going to say this on that. That might be a little high on the ratio. He's not a strikeout per inning guy. He's nowhere close. 
Uh, and then the, the whip is at 1.068. And this week he matches up uh, against Colorado, which I believe I'll check this out, Ty, is, is in San Francisco. And then he's in San Diego with a second start. So if it's at Colorado, that's a tough one. But um, uh, yeah, I'm going to have a look at that. So what are your thoughts on Sanchez and the return? You know, former Blue Jay. Former Blue yeah, Jay. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is a guy that I had eyes on coming into the season. I thought San Francisco, much like Jay Happ in Minnesota, was the perfect landing spot for Aaron Sanchez. Oh, it is at Colorado. Sorry, I, it is at yeah, Colorado. So I do, li- I do like what they're doing with him uh, early in this year. Like, he's yet to exceed five innings. Uh, and it's mainly they're just they're nurturing him twice back. through the order. Well, I don't even think it's that, though. I think it's more to do with the fact that he had a, a shoulder injury. I think they're nursing him back to health a little bit. So okay. I think the reality is you're going to because he has zero quality starts so far. Right. Obviously not exceeding the five right. inning mark. Um, but he's he's really been battling out there. The whip is is good. The walk ratio is a touch high for now, but that's not been his mo over his career like he's always been a pretty good whip guy overall so i don't i think that walk ratio will continue to come down uh over he all, is also season. an era champion yes right. that is correct he did have the al uh era title a couple years ago in toronto uh this is a guy i wanted to pick up in in our home league but we have too many jays homers that somebody beat me to it uh and and the reality is this guy can still pitch the stuff's still good i've watched a couple of his starts this year um, one against San Diego where he he pitched pretty well, put a lot of balls in play, and that's his thing, right? So you got a good defense in San Francisco, a big ballpark in San Francisco, not going to give up a lot of home runs because that, that was one of the things that hurt him in Toronto was the fly balls were leaving the yard, and I, he's not going to have that same issue in San Francisco. So, you know, as long as the walks continue to regress closer to where they probably should be, I, I'm, I'm in on Aaron Sanchez, probably not this week. Don't love the Colorado matchup uh, on a guy that's traditionally a sinker ball type. And I definitely don't like the second matchup against San Diego. At San yeah, Diego. I mean, it, it's a tough week, right? But at the same time, now might also be the time to pick him up. Or if yeah. you want to wait the week and see if things don't turn out well with those two starts, he might be a little bit less appealing um, for your trade leagues. And obviously we're differentiating between your fab, your waivers, and then a trade league, but you can, obviously there are leagues where you can do do it all, but specifically in others where you cannot, you cannot make trades in NFBC. There are other leagues where it's just near impossible. If you're in a public league, it's very difficult to make a trade because people often a don't check B lose interest very quickly and C are not thinking like you, the hardcore baseball fantasy baseball player who wants to win they're thinking like i don't know the name of the player you're offering me therefore he (laughs) sucks and i remember aaron sanchez so anyway that could be a little tough now here's somebody that not a lot of people will know about but we've mentioned him and sadly ty our third discussion is about to start for the week on (laughs) jeff hoffman i shouldn't say sadly i'm happy to have it so hoffman is owned in five percent of yahoo leagues ten percent of cbs 46 of nfbc and 34 percent on fantrax all of those ownerships have come up he pitched against the Dodgers this week, did not have a sparkling outing, but I think we both felt it was an intelligent outing. He was not going out there trying to strike out a lineup that would have just gobbled him up fastball and all. He's got a 333 ERA, 2-1 and record, 19 Ks after 24 innings, and a whip of 1.36. And that's high because he just walked four Dodgers in four innings. And I think what he was trying to do was not give up a home run, which of course he ended up doing giving up a three-run home run to Will Smith, which that's a good baseball player. If you're going to give up a three-run home run, give it up to you know a good baseball player. And 
I like what he's doing this week. He's, he's matching up with the White Sox tomorrow. And if it works out, Ty, it'll be Cleveland on Sunday. And if not, um, Cincinnati has an off day on Monday and he'll be, he'll have the Tuesday start the following that. So I'm not sure if he is going to get the Sunday start from what I've, what I see, they've got no off days. He's starting tomorrow. He should be starting again on Sunday. So I well, think he's a slick pickup here. And the best way to think about it is he's going to get three starts in the next two weeks, right? Like, I mean, that's right. Yeah. Whether it's this week or next, that's coming. Uh, Cincinnati seems committed to him and they certainly don't have a bullpen of arms waiting uh, to take over the starting job there in Cincinnati. So I think they're going to give Hoffman a run. And I think that's half the battle when it comes to your deeper formats is you're looking for guys that you know are going to get run out there. We've seen the projects that Cincinnati has taken on over the last couple of years. Sonny Gray obviously was a reclamation after a rough time in New York. You know, uh, Trevor Bauer obviously had a pretty good season last season. Um, so, you know, there's lots to like about what they're doing as an organization with pitching. You know, when we talked about this in the offseason, when they acquired him, Tyler Stevens went the other way or Stevenson went the other way. I, I said it to Robbie, like, you don't do that trade to bring Hoffman in to be a reliever. You just don't. You know, you, you had Stevenson, who was a reasonable reliever. Hoffman was rocky a little bit <laughs> in Colorado. And so wah, wah, wah. <laughs> this was an obvious outcome that I, I think we both, you know, thought would come to fruition. Here we are. We're telling you again, before he gets better towards the end of the season to go get him now. That's what we do here is we give you the heads up before other people catch on. Yeah. And I'm going to correct myself. Ty, I miss, uh, mischecked his week. So, and I, I noticed it right away because I, I, I had originally written in that his second start was against Colorado because I was like, oh, that's cool because he's in Colorado for the second start. But I realize now that they're actually off tomorrow and Thursday. So it will be a one-start week for Hoffman. So you can wait. He'll start Tuesday against Chicago if you want to see how that one works out. But then he's going to next face Pittsburgh. And I think he's unfortunately going to miss the Colorado series. I shouldn't say unfortunately. It's a good thing to not pitch in Colorado. But he's going to miss the Colorado series. So if I'm counting my days here, he's going to get the first or second game against Pittsburgh, either a week off in between starts. It'll be Tuesday next week. And then he might be back um, at home against San Francisco. He's got some good matchups coming up because he's also got Washington who could be struggling in the near future. And there could be a St. Louis um, Colorado uh, after that. So I like his potential. Certainly think because of the low ownership, especially in dynasty and dynasty is forgotten still, still forgotten well, guys. And, and he has one career start seven innings against the white Sox. So, you know, that's gave up four earned runs. So second time around might see some, pardon me, might see some adjustments. Yeah. Uh, obviously no start against Colorado as that was his primary team uh, at the major league level. So, you know, lots to like here. Again, buying Jeff Hoffman is not necessarily the best, you know, 10 day move. You're buying Jeff Hoffman for the purposes of the rest of this season. And in a perfect world, I, I as we had said on the podcast, the, um, if in a full season of 30 Jeff Hoffman starts, you can start him 20 times. You can pick and choose when he's going to go in. That's a very useful fantasy starting pitcher because a lot of times you put somebody in, you're like, I'm going to see what happens here. And they get blown up. Whereas with Hoffman right now, you can look and say, okay, it's a team with a really good eye or a team with a bunch of mashers. I'm going to watch what happens. And Hoffman seems to be trying to do his best to not get himself into a trouble with pitch counts, to do certain things where he's nibbling away. And that should prove to be fruitful long-term. So Hoffman is a one-start guy. We've got four more and these are all one-start dudes and you can see where it goes. One is starting today in Pittsburgh's Will Crow. Now we know the issue with Pittsburgh 
pitchers. Quick live update, though. Danny Jensen did get a hit in today's game. So oh, there we go. Double the, the average. He's, up. <laughs> he's now bidding 065. Rather. <laughs> but, <laughs> so hey, it's good, something. Good it's something. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, Crow is owned in 1% of Yahoo, 1% CBS, nobody in, in NFBC, and 5% in Fantrax. In, in just one, I think it was one start, but 5.2 innings. He's got a 382 ERA. Uh, no wins or losses yet. And then... Um, five case with a one nine three whip against really early for all that, but he's going up against the cubbies, which is why I mentioned it. I think that's a decent matchup. Yes. The Cubs have definitely been getting better, but they do still have big blowout games and their pitchers, the cub pitchers can be attacked. So I think if you're going to take a chance on somebody now and maybe a 20 team league, I'm sure anything higher than that, that's where those 1% ownerships are. Um, Crow might be a guy to pick up this week if you can get him today. I can't, I'm sure by the time anybody listens, it's already started. So, um, but pick him up after the start today. Maybe you'll see he's got 10, 11 innings pitch total. Make a decision if this is another Hoffman type long play because again, the wins are going to be very hard to come by. But you could pick and choose those times, like against the Cubbies. Yeah, this is a sneaky pickup by the Pirates in the first place. Could be a beneficial guy that had a little bit of clout in the national system moving up. And so, you know, just a guy, it's it's a complete lottery ticket, right? And that's what it is. So you're thinking short-term here. If it turns into anything else, fantastic. Bonus. Yeah, total bonus. Now, on the other end, we've got old man Rich Hill with Tampa Bay. Uh, 7% owned in Yahoo, 22 CBS, 46 NFBC, 36 with Fantrax. And he's got a really ugly line, Ty. 725 ERA, one-in-one uh, one record, 1.3 whip, uh, but 24 Ks, 22 innings. And Rich Hill finally had a good start. So Rich Hill faces Houston this week. Houston is a, what are, what's Houston as a lineup conflicting? No, it's good. You're it's, just it's, flat it's out good. Slow. Yeah. It started slow. It's coming around. They okay. had a lot of COVID issues, right? Like that's, yeah, the yeah, they did. People are like looking at Houston saying, Oh, they're done. They're toast. No, I've acquired half of the Houston roster in a lot of leagues. <laughs> Which uh, explains your record. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> start, I, I'm willing to sacrifice the first couple weeks of the season to be better long-term. We talk about this all the time. But, you know, when you talk about uh, Rich Hill, this is a guy that is – the curveball has always been good. And it's just been whether or not he can get the other pitches by the hitters enough to use the curveball effectively. So, you know, he's at that age. I love that he's in Tampa. I, I'm looking at him long term this season to be a piggyback type guy. Like you piggyback him with a Luis Patino throughout this yeah. season, or even even the double lefty uh, with Shane McClanahan would be a phenomenal pairing, right? And I think the way Tampa is pulling their team together, we've seen them call up Honeywell, Patino, and McClanahan already, which is very anti Tampa Bay, right? Like these are things that they just don't do. And so I think they're moving to this piggyback system. They've got, you know, uh, Andrew Kittridge in the bullpen. So I think throw Rich Hill's hat into this conversation. I think they're going to end up with, I don't know if you want to call them starters at this point, or if they're just going to remove the stigma of bullpen arm and just say, we have, you know, 13 pitchers. <laughs> yeah. See, so that, that was going to be my point as well. I love the idea of having, because Toronto did it yesterday, right? Travis Bergen started, pitched one inning, and then Tommy Malone came in. Now it wasn't wasn't clean. We could have right? done without but, Tommy Malone, but the rest right. was very good. <laughs> yeah. Tommy Malone, um, when he's getting outs, you're very happy with him. When he's not, you're like, yeah, that's kind of what I figured. And that's why there are lots of 30 team leagues where Tommy Malone's not out. Now he might 
find himself on our list at some point in the future when we are digging deep trying to find something or we like the matchups. But if the idea with Tampa Bay sticks, which I don't want to say they're the originators of this, but the idea of just doing what teams have been doing or GMs have been doing for a long time with minor leagues, which is you have two guys start essentially starters who will pitch in the same game. It, it allows you to have a shorter bullpen because you could have two guys that go four innings. If you want them to each go through the, a rotate or a lineup once in one and a half times or no more than two. Um, and then that allows you to use less of your bullpen and it gives rest to guys, but it also could mean if you have three starters who you're not sure should see the third time through an order you could you could then say well i've also got three you know patino honeywell mcclanahan's who i want to mix in and introduce to major league play and then you could have this piggyback system which tampa kind of does because i think waka is supposed to back up um if it's hill whoever it is that's starting in tampa today i think waka is supposed to piggyback on that one so it's it's not the worst thing to do but again with rich hill you're picking up and you're going to, you should be in a position to not have to worry about losses. If that's a category for you, the whip should come down below 1.3 for him and the K's are going to be good. So this is just a guy, just a guy. He's not going to win you the uh, league. He's, he's through two innings with three strikeouts so far. So there you go. proving my might, point. It might, yeah. It, it might be a Will Ferrell in old school at the end. He's just like, I'm back. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. could be one of those scenarios here. Kicking cereal. So two yeah. guys left to go on the starter front here. Ty, Chris Flexen with Seattle had a rough outing this week, but still only 13% owned in Yahoo, 25 CBS, 73 NFBC, 58 in Fantrax, 333 ERA, two and one record, 21 Ks and 27 innings, which is good. The guy's in and he's pitching and a 1.33 whip going up against Texas this week. I like I like the matchup. I'm in with Flexen. Uh, is there any more to be said on it? I, I know. I'm just he's in Seattle, therefore I let you do all of the Seattle speak. Yeah, and it's he's doing okay, and that's fine. If you need an okay dude, this looks like an okay dude. If you are the Brad Keller owner and you're not sure what's going on, like I am in a few leagues, I've even dropped him in a league. Um, Chris Flexen's a guy that might come in and make you feel a little bit better for a short period of time, and then we'll see how long before there's an adjustment on him. Last guy here is risky business, and why wouldn't it be? It's a Colorado pitcher, uh, Austin Gomer, 5% owned in Yahoo, 19 in CBS, 78 in NFBC, 39 in Fantrax. Now, Austin Gomer, who was essentially traded, he's he's so valuable, Ty, that Colorado had to give up $50 million and, and Arenado to get Austin Gomer. So, they love him in Colorado, and he has returned the favor with a 5-9 ERA, a 2-3 and three record, 27 Ks and 29 and two-thirds innings pitch, and a 1.45 whip. Before this last week, all those lines looked a lot better, and it was a 2-2 two and two record. But Austin Gomer faces St. Louis this week, which is some sweet, sweet victory for him. I'm sure he's looking forward to going through that lineup and seeing some old friends. I like Austin Gomer now after the helium is out. Right. He was looking good before. Everybody's like, hey, Austin Gomer, you know, up on the rise. Well, he's not owned very much in Dynasty Leagues. And as soon as he got traded to Colorado, people were like, whoa, I'm out. Well, Dynasty Leagues, now's the time. Now's the time to go in and get this guy. You might have somebody else that is of no use to you in your lineup. Gomber's going to just start with Colorado. He's going to, every fifth day, he's going to be out there. I would pick up Gomber wherever I could. I've already approached in two leagues and I'm in conversations where I might get a deal done today, which I'm hoping. Well, and I, I think he's he's a great guy to add. And I think other than the, the blow up against San Francisco, he's been very good, right? I mean, he had, you know, uh, an early season start against the Dodgers where he pitched around some guys, Ella, the Jeff Hoffman conversation we had before. 
you know, this is, it's a guy that has had four of his last five starts be quality outings, right? So, you know, that ERA is a little inflated due to giving up nine earned against a, a pretty red hot San Francisco team. Um, that's, that's not the one you write home about, but the rest quite good, good consistency. Strikeout numbers are, are reasonable, right? 27, uh, across whatever number of innings so far this season, uh, which are, are pretty reasonable. 29 and two thirds. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that. So, uh, you know, that's, that's always good to see, you know, he's got some starts at home as well, where he's had success. Like he only allowed two at home against Houston. Um, yeah. and, and the first one where he pitched around LA was also at home, but everything else been on the road. So the only thing I would, I would recommend for me is I'd wait for one more home start to see what we got, uh, before making that full commitment to an Austin Gomber. But you know, at the end of the day, there's enough here. And if you're in a deep league, he probably won't be here if he's has a good home start. So that's yeah. the one thing to keep in mind. Like you might only get a shot. And if you have unlimited transactions, you there's no harm, no foul. Maybe just keep him on the bench for the next home start. But he could be a very useful guy, very much so on the road, possibly at home. And that's what's hard about the Colorado pitchers, always, right? This is just a new name for us. And, you know, the $50 million man in Gomber. So, uh, Ty, I've got two more things real quick. Sean Doolittle, people were like, oh, he, he got a close with Cincinnati. Maybe he's going to be the guy. Well, what did he do Saturday night? He came in right after the starter for two-thirds of an inning. And boom. So, I don't know what to do with Sean Doolittle. We're not talking closers this week because we're not sure what to say. <laughs> There's a lot it's, of crazy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's messed up. We're going to try to break it down at some point in time. Now is not that time. The second one, Ty, is to start Otani next week. Yeah. Are you going to make, if you're in a weekly locked and load, right? No, no change, not daily. Weekly league. Is Otani your pitcher next week or is he your hitter? What are, who is he starting against? Uh, for Tampa Bay is the first one. I think it's going to be glass now, actually, that he's up okay. against in the first one. And I'll check on that second one. Yeah, I, I would definitely... If, if it's a good second matchup, I would, I would throw him as the pitcher. Um, you know, that's, I think two starts of Otani, you're going to get 14 K's right in all likelihood, probably North Dodgers, you, Tampa Bay uh, and the Dodgers. Uh, yeah, no, I'm hitting. Yeah. That, that's, <laughs> yeah. I'm not touching the Dodgers with any pitcher this season. Like it doesn't even matter if they're Cy Young caliber. I'm not, I'm just not touching the Dodgers. They're that good. Uh, they've got hit school, hit tools. They've got power. They have depth. They have everything that can hurt you, you know, and they've got the pitching. So you you take the risk of the loss pretty much every time you run a, a pitcher out against the Dodgers. So I, yeah. I'm going to go with the hitter just because of that matchup. If it was even a reasonable middle of the road, Milwaukee, San Francisco, right. even St. Louis, I probably would have went pitching. You got the World Series runner up and then you got the World Series champ. So I think it's yeah. safe to say one win next week out of the two starts would be great yep. for Otani. Um, but what Otani can, can do in a points format, I would say best case scenario next week is 50 points. If like, that would be him running it up, um, 50 points on the pitching side. And that's with, I think LA's got seven games next week. Let me check here. Yes, they do. They play, they play every, every day next week. So you're, you're going to say, okay, well, 50 points, that's, that's to the pitching side of points. Like definitely, but yeah. depending on how your league's formatted, if there's for some reason is a blow up in that. Um, you know, it could be affected. He's also, I think at max going to be limited a, a little bit with, with the at bats. Cause he's not going to see any more than maybe three at bats in either of those games. 
So there will be a few fewer at bats next week. And I'm sure they'll give them one rest day. I would assume they'd give them yeah. one rest day. Totally. Um, so it might not be the worst time to do that, but I agree. If it's, if you got to pick one and it's not points, I'm not taking him out of the lineup, man. He's such a good hitter and okay. steals base. You know, yeah. you, you need something done. Yeah, like Otani, the pitcher is awesome. Otani, the hitter, is legendary because of the pitching, right? Like he's a he's an awesome, awesome hitter, and the fact that he's pitching and hopefully pitches well this week uh, just adds to it. But to me, right now, Otani is a hitter, and I don't want to rock that boat unless I think it's beneficial in a points league. So I own Mercedes in a league and Otani, and I only have one utility spot. So on Thursday or Monday to Thursday, when I lock in. Mercedes is going to finally see his first time with me this year uh, in my lineup. And he's going to, he's going to be hitting when Otani pitches. And then I'm not going to do that on the weekend against the Dodgers. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, it's, there's lots of those considerations that go into it every week. Again, as Rob said before, if you got questions, hit us up at Dinger spot on Twitter, uh, tag us in, in a tweet. We were happy to answer your questions, but until next week, it's been Rob and Tyler on Dingers. <laughs>